Are we ready? I suppose. Not hardly. Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what? I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it because when, you, when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people. Right. You want people to care. You want, you want to strike emotions. And I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions. Can you yep. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally imagine that. <laughs> I'm no sure somebody's written that one too. Pounder with cheese and friends, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Boyale with cheese, Yeah. <laughs> I can totally. See? I, I, would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw sacrifice that my, my progeny to you of a mighty Marvel beast. <laughs> <laughs> But Neil Adams is somewhere going, hmm, it's my time. Uh, how do you measure success? Hey, everyone. You're listening to Superhero Speak, and I am your host, Dave. And I'm John. I'm JD, I think. You think? You think? I think so. Maybe? Maybe? Oh, uh, maybe. JD! Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I had a question for you. Sorry, I'm interrupting. Um... When you plan one of your books, yeah, like when do you like write a plot down? Yeah, I write a full outline. Like I do, I go like a like I take the um because I write always the the three x structure. So I'll have like the idea of what I want, and I'll try to and I'll go beat by beat through the, through the three x structure. I'll try to do that for uh the two or three main characters, and then I'll go and I'll write my outline. But my outline is like chapter one x happens, chapter two x happens, and I go through. And then it adjusts as I go along, but that's uh, yeah, I know my plot before I go in. I know how the book ends. Always oh, do. Cool. This is because this is the first time I'm doing it with the Aeon timeline thing. Mm-hmm. And so far, my plot goes from 170 BC to like um, 30 years from now. That's cool. <laughs> that's my Vision Quest books that did, did something similar to that, so I'm cool with that. Yeah, but the but the Aeon timeline thing, like it, I, I I mean I'm I'm really enjoying it. I I don't know like you should. Have you? You should look at it. It's pretty okay. cool. Yeah. So, John, is that what you've been working on this week? <laughs> yeah, actually, it 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 is. Um, I've got the first book basically all plotted out now, which um actually I think is going to make it a hell of a lot easier to finish. Uh, you know, because I I like li- literally plotted stuff out almost by the hour, basically by the hour at certain points, and and now I know exactly where everything is, what's going on behind the scenes. And the Anne timeline thing, like, lets you do character art or just arcs. So, like, I have one arc with all the stuff that happened in, in, in book one, and then another arc with, like, a character that's behind the scenes, drops into the main book, and then drops out again. He's doing other stuff that may have, that, that affects people in the main timeline. It's, it's really cool. That is cool. Are we ever going to read this book? Yes. Yes. This, well, you know, like, before, I, I, before I read, JD's, before JD's 50th birthday? Before JD Got gets a the Pulitzer. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I'm, I'm working, like, you know, I'm rededicating myself. So I've worked all this week, um, actually last week and a half, two weeks now on, uh, on this timeline thing. I've got, I've got the software down and now I just have to import the, uh, Word document that I have into, uh, Scrivener and then sync Scrivener with Aon timeline and then I can, Finish what I've got. Well, I finish, I'll finish what I got, then go through my editor's notes and send the rest to the editor and see what happens. 
Nice. Finally. So, yes, that's what I was doing. What were you doing, J.D.? How I many started, books did you finish this week? <laughs> I started writing another book this week, uh, about 9,000 words in. So uh, it's going pretty good. Nice. 9,000? That sounds like a lot. 3,000 a day. So, I mean, like, uh, like my books typically are about 65,000, 70,000 words, and they're about, I don't know, 250, 300 pages. Now, this is – you're not going to school to – you're not doing any other day job, right? This is it? Oh, God, no. I'm unemployed as all hell. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. We did like, open up – we do have contact days, so we can go in two or three times a week and watch the kids weight lift. That's, that's all we can do. So I did, too. I, I went in today and, and got a lift in with a mask on. The boy, does it suck lifting with a mask, but better than dying. Yeah. It just – it makes me feel better because it's like if if I could quit my job and just do this, I would have the book done in like six months. Well, I am also – I'm dad, I'm full-time dad. So, I mean, that takes up the vast majority of my day. My wife is cool enough to take him after she gets off of work because she wants to spend time with him. But the majority of my day is like, Andrew, get back here. Andrew, get, put that down. I mean, like, <laughs> Andy, sit here. We have to do schoolwork. So, I mean, like, if mm-hmm. I get 3,000 words a day in, and I'm forcing myself to read every night now. So, I'm considering that work time. So, oh, what you're reading? The Institute by Stephen King. Hmm. Pretty cool. And I'm listening to Too Sweet, the History of Independent Pro Wrestling for a book club that I'm in now. So I've got an audiobook going while I'm reading. It's gonna be it's a little it's a little taxing, but sorry. I can't I can't do that. I can't I can't read two books at once. I can't read two books at once, but I I'm trying this. Well maybe I can listen to one nonfiction book while I'm reading a fiction book. So I'm I'm trying this. We're gonna see how it goes. Cool. Cool. We up to you, Dave. Me? Oh, 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 one second. We have four days left at the Harvest Moon Kickstarter. <laughs> so uh, by the time this thing comes out, we will have two days left on the Harvest Moon Kickstarter. So uh, now is the time to act. Tick tock, tick tock. Yes, yes, you too can be killed in a really, really gratuitous fashion. Somebody <laughs> else picked up on that too. I got another person to kill. So this nice. Is really, I'm really glad I thought of this idea. Like. I picked up a few extra bucks just by being willing to butcher random people. Dude, dude, you know, if you get enough, you can make it a mass murder. <laughs> well, it is a mass murder, so it fits in. There's plenty of death. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Dave. There's too much death in the world today. I'm sorry. I just I can't handle it. But this is fun death. <laughs> I've actually decided to work the, pan- the early days of the pandemic into my new book, and it's about vampires. So, I mean, like... Uh, vampires are dealing with this pan. It's not the entire book, but it's like a side thing going on as vampires and what they're doing in the pandemic. Oh, <laughs> see, I, I, I thought about that too, because my books take place just a little bit in the future. And it's like, do I add the pandemic? Like, it'll have to be like, oh, yes. And remember when the vaccine came out or something like that, you know? The, the good news is you have to pay too much attention to it because nobody else is. Yeah, no, this is true. <laughs> do vampires get COVID 19? No. Ah, okay, good. No. Uh, actually, they should because it's a vascular disease. It's the actually question. a blood disease. Yes, but their blood is purified. It's, you know, again, my, yeah. my dance. Yeah. Um, oh, truth, can, yes. Can they cure it is the question. Ooh. Ah. Spoilers. Well, no. No. Ah. But, but we're going to try. I, I was going to say you, you, you could ask some of the current um, president's vampires. staff, but, uh, you know, because they're vampires, but obviously. Yes. yes. Well, you know. So Dave. Oh, Dave, oh, me. Oh, oh, I haven't yes, been. Yes, yes, you, you may go, Dave. I, I haven't been up to too much. Um, <laughs> my brother-in-law turned fifty on Saturday, so my niece had a party for him, and uh, just a barbecue at the house. You know, nothing too fancy, and uh, 
it's sad though because you know stuff like that's kind of bittersweet at this yeah and that's about it working going to the gym pushing myself that's good i haven't yeah. seen you personally but your facebook profile picture yes looks a lot like significantly leaner it does it really does yeah and that that's a picture's about a month old so good on you man I, I, I gained four pounds back. I'm really upset. Oh, I'm going to four pounds. JD, he's complaining about four pounds. Yeah, that's shit four pounds before we had the show tonight. Like, exactly. that's like, like four or five pound swings are so normal. For people. I'm trying to lose 30 and I can't I can't seem to keep it off. It's just I mean, I, let's let's put it this way. Since about a year ago, once when I started walking and then January, February is about when I joined the gym. Um, in total, I've lost about 75 pounds, so. Damn, dude. Awesome. Great. You must feel completely different. I don't know. You'll have to touch me and tell me. No, I, no, thank you. That's quite okay. (laughs) I I feel okay. I mean, I still, it's funny because it's like, I still have 30 pounds to go to get to where my doctor wants me to be and quite a bit to go to where I want to be, so we'll see, but I'll keep going. Eventually, I'll, uh. I'll look like Chris Hemsworth. Or Chris Evans. Um, but not the pics. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Was that on the, I don't, I didn't see that in our, in well, well, I, I put it under social media madness since it happened on social media. It's really uh, not our thing to cover. No, it, it was, well, it's not. Cap's, Cap's magic helmet. I mean, uh, not. Uh, well, you know how, <laughs> you know how, you know how, you know the line America's ass, they're now saying America's penis. Yes. Or a more vulgar word. Um, Sometimes. Sometimes the material just writes itself. Didn't I just see that? Um, who 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 just stuck up for him? Some somebody just stuck up for him. Uh, in, Mark, uh, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, comes to the rescue after Chris Evans' not safe for work leak. <laughs> not <laughs> safe for work leak. Um, I mean, from everything, I I haven't seen it. I'm not gonna look for it. Neither I, am I. I, I guarantee, if you search for it, you'll be able to still find it. Oh yeah, those uh, leaks never go away. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be on the internet forever. That, the internet's forever, boys and girls. Remember that. It is. It is. Um, but from what I've read, it sounds like it was an honest mistake, but I've said this before and I'll say it again. Don't want nude pictures of yourself out there. Don't take nude pictures of yourself. Yeah, I thought this was a generational thing, but I mean, he's my age. So I mean, like, I've yeah. never had the urge to take a nude picture of myself. Like, yeah. I don't understand it. I mean, the only thing I could think of is, it was, you know, from when he was a first Avenger and he comes out of the um, oh, capsule. Right. And it, that's probably the best shape he was ever in and ever going to be in his entire life. And that maybe he was like, yeah, I got to take a picture of this. He is freaking jacked as all hell in first Avenger. Yeah, there was there. And there there was a story about that. One of the nurses, I think there or there, like the reaction of some of the women there was um, it was not uh, bland. What's her name? Uh, 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 Haley. Haley yeah. She yeah. just like touched him because it's just like she was overtaken by the moment. <laughs> Which, to be quite quite frank, his peck is very touchable. It's yeah. huge. One day I'll have touchable pecs. Anyway, uh, so moving on a little more social media madness. We don't have much this week. Just this one. Uh, we had talked about uh, the bane of your existence, and I'm going to ask you, JD, have you seen New Mutants yet? Oh God, no! I'm not going to the theater. Are you crazy? It's not available anywhere yet. It's not on Fire I'm, Stick. <laughs> I don't have Fire Stick. I have we have Roku, and it is not showing up in my Amazon. I just met I, I met you know people that have jailbroken Fire Sticks. Oh, I don't do that, man. Like I'm a media. I mean, this is 
this is like this is how I make money too. So I don't I don't steal content. Ah, uh, don't let. I would, did I tell you guys one of my books showed up on an illegal download site before I was finished writing it? Yeah, I think you mentioned yeah. it, but I have no idea how that's. I think it's just a Trojan, to be honest. I think it's got to be just something full of viruses. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's so weird. That's. Like... I was vanity searching and I came upon it. So, like, yeah, it's crazy. So Google yourself. Is that the lesson? I, I Google myself. Like, well, you have a lot of stuff out there. You got to see what's out there, you know? Yeah, and that's then, true. I mean, like, as long as I, don't know, I, was trying to, I was trying to find reviews and stuff like that, and I came upon it, and I was like, what? And I stole them. Like, I haven't even – I looked at my computer. I'm like, yeah, this isn't even done. And there hmm. it was. As long as you Google yourself in the privacy of your own bedroom. All right. Um, Door locked. Uh, uh, uh. Um, we had talked about how uh, it's getting pretty bad reviews, and uh, oh, oh, no reviews! I thought you meant my book. I was like, half <laughs> <laughs> um, so. copy did not get good reviews. Roy, Roy Mears uh, at Man- Mantis Comics said he saw it and he liked it. So, so there's one person, and then um, Omega Level Nerds Podcast said hey, the critics are wrong, according to Volsker and D Square. It's entertaining movie with a cool concept. Only minor complaints. It's not endgame level, but it's worth your well, time. Well, what, ne- what's endgame level? Yeah, I, I never uh, I never agree with D squared, so obviously I'm not gonna like it. Uh, well I'll tell you this, there's not a there is not a more knowledgeable X Men fan on planet Earth. So if he if he says it's alright, I'm gonna take his uh, word for it. Volsker uh, said I thought it was very entertaining and can't wait to watch it again. Oh, Wow. Interesting. See, all the reviews I've seen from most of the people I follow, none of them really liked it. And some of them really hated it. Some, I mean, like, I think a lot of reviewers, especially online reviewers, are just like, they get hits with the cynical stuff. No, so like, I mean, these guys are usually on point. I mean, they're, they're I, I, I wouldn't stick with somebody that was just poo-pooing everything every time it came out. I mean, these guys are definitely the outliers. Let's not let's not be wrong on this, but I still kind of want to see it. But I'm going to wait till it's so, a little more accessible. So speaking of D-Square... Um, I finally got another one of his comic book reviews published on the website this week. And John, you should check it out. He did it. He did it specifically for you. It Wait, was what? Okay, I gotta, I gotta admit, I don't even know what we're talking about here. What did he review? <laughs> he reviewed. Uh, I want to make sure I get the title right before I before I say it. Uh, Transformers: My Little Pony: Friendship in Disguise, number one. Ah. Uh. <gasps> I forgot that was coming out. So, right. so you have to go to our own website, John, and read his review. Um, Sorry, too bit too busy googling where I can buy it. Spoiler: privacy of his own home, like we asked. <gasps> spoiler: He liked it. So, I would, I, I would assume yes. No, so wait, but since he liked it, you won't, right? Oh, you did say that. Uh, uh, he's a pretty good comic reviewer, actually. Like, and he's got a good. I think he's got a good sensibility to his reviews and. uh like there's a good tone to him. I, I kind of I enjoy reading his reviews. I kind of be nice to somebody bigger picked him up. To be honest, I think he's got talent in that regard. Well, yes, but as long as he keeps writing for us. I didn't say leave us. I just oh. said you others. Oh, okay, okay, good, 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 good. Well, Brand does look for us, and he has his own show. So you got time. Yeah. Like, All right. God, they've got Spike and Grimlock. That's interesting. On that note. Here is our good friend D-Square to tell you how you can be a part of Social Media Bandits. Enjoying the show? Want to be part of Social Media Madness? Make sure you are following SuperheroSpeak.com where you can find all of the show's social media links 
at the top of the page. While you're there, you can check out old episodes of the podcast as well as some other great content. Check the site often because we are posting some great comic reviews as well as comic book and movie news content every day. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at Superhero Speak. And while you're there, check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. You can follow them at stars underscore geek. The Geek World All-Star Podcast Network includes great programs such as the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Cult 45, So Wizard, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Search for hashtag GWAllStars. You will not be disappointed. Now, it's back to Dave and the boys on Superhero Speak. Oh, thank you for that, Don. And again, make sure you check out uh, some of his reviews on our website. And don't forget to check out the House of D podcast, available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. And on that note, boys and girls, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right. John, you're still busy trying to find where you can buy it. I got to find it. <laughs> I can't find it. It's on Amazon. Where is it? Well, it's I IDW, so it's probably on their website. Also, um, Comixology is the thing. This is well, true. Yeah. Well, I, I want I want the hard copy for that. So so um, we uh, and and besides also like, you know, I can just send you the review copy so you can at least read it. Um, so, OK, on to the news, guys. All right. All right. So I want to I want to think before you talk some, right? some time ago on this very podcast, somebody had said, I believe the next big bad for Marvel is going to end up being. Kang the Conqueror. I believe we did discuss that. I can't remember which one of us said it, but it was said. It wasn't oh, me. It would have been one of you two. <laughs> well, boys and girls, Jonathan Majors joins the MCU as Kang the Conqueror to be featured as the villain in Ant-Man 3. So are you guys watching Lovecraft County? Because he's the star of Lovecraft. I would say County. Lovecraft Country. No, no, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Man, I, it's I, a... Messed up show, first of all. Second of all, he's great. Like, he's tons of range of emotion, like, where he's mellow at times, where he's just really settled back, and there's times he's flying off the handle. Like, he's a really good actor. So I'm excited for this casting. How do you think, how do you think, I mean, I, you know, speculation's what we do here. Um, hmm. But do you have any ideas of how they might handle Kang in our current MCU? I mean, we've introduced time travel, right? Like, it's a thing now in the MCU. They're never going to be able to get away from that fact that they created it. Um, and Kang comes from the future in the comics. Like, is he going to be Reed Richards' son? Like, how do you think they're going to handle this? Well, well he's going like, to be T-powered first, right? Because well, they're, they're never as powerful as they usually are. Well, yeah. I mean, like, King, King's kind of weird in, in and of a sense where you don't really – he just does a lot of time travel, and he's also five different dudes. So, I mean, they have yeah, to figure out – they have to figure that out first of all. What I'm more curious about is what what is his tone going to be? Like, because we thought he could be the main villain of the MCU, but the fact that he's showing up in Ant-Man 3 makes me wonder if he's going to be a little bit more comic-y, like comic as in silly Like, and I'll be honest with you, like, from what I've seen from uh, from our star, I haven't, like, on Lovecraft Country, not nothing light, nothing, like, 
silly to lead me to believe that he would be good for a, a comedic performance. But playing so, off of Paul Rudd, I don't know. I don't know where this is going. So that's that's actually a good question. But there's this. Um, now, now, of course, they initially it was announced that he was going to be in Ant Man three, and it said people close to the uh, source said that he's playing Kang, and then it came out later from another source that would confirmed he's playing Kang. Um, but here's the question: Is he the main? Is he actually the main villain? In Ant-Man 3, or is he just getting introduced somehow in that movie? That's a good question. That actually is a really good question. You know, because, again, uh, Ant-Man's the quantum realm, blah, 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 blah. Does he accidentally travel to the future and see Kang? Is is Kang a big enough guy to take on the entire MCU at this point? Absolutely. Avengers oh, Forever. Yeah. Avengers Forever is the, the template story that they could use. Yeah. So he he's, he's, he's a... Um, He's a Thanos level guy. Yes, it's different, was... different than Thanos. Like Thanos has got that like Hitler extermination type of vibe to him. Kang is your is a little bit more of a, a traditional supervillain, but depending on how they choose to portray him, he absolutely could be the villain of the Marvel universe. Right, and it comes... like they could do something where um, Ant Man accidentally travels to the future, and that inspires Kang to come back and do something in Avengers 5, I guess it would be at this point. Or may, or maybe just Kang um, detects all of the temporal hanky-panky that they've been doing I have a in hunch that, Avengers. I have a hunch that because of the time travel stuff done in Endgame, it's either going to create the world that made him possible, or he's going to target that. And, like, it could be, like, you know, whatever they did, it, you know, created or erased his world, something like that. Because Kang is a character that... Um, because you know, if we go official Marvel six one six, all all alterations in history create new timelines, mm-hmm. and Kang is aware of all the timelines. Right, right. Which also kind of is what they talked about in in uh, Endgame. That's what the the Ancient One tries to say. Like, there's all these splinters going off, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they had to return the stones to bring the splinters back in line. Which I don't know. It's still kind of uh, timey-wimey explanation kind of thing to me, but, you know, I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see how they set this up. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to go, especially because it seems like they're going to lean more into the multiverse stuff with Doctor Strange. Right. Like I say, my my only fear is that instead of making him a player and a focus, that he's just a one-off villain for this Ant-Man movie, and I think that would be underutilizing Kang. So I hope that's not what they do. Well, they can't. They wouldn't. I, I can't see them doing that. They've been so on point with everything else. Well, you know, they could. They, I, mean, they've they're, I mean, like, there's been pretty big characters that have been, you know, utilized to one movie or or a joke in the case of the Mandarin. Like, I mean. True. And the Mandarin, the Mandarin's definitely a big bad if he has all the yeah, money. I, I also think that's why they're revisiting him. In, yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. But I'm just saying that they Shang-Chi. are. It's not like they haven't, you know, um, underplayed potential villains before. And don't don't we still have uh, Adam Smoke Warlock? Classic. Don't don't we still have Adam Warlock out there? We <laughs> like, do. Ready to hatch. Adam Warlock just about hatched at the end of Guardians two, but I think they're going to keep him on the shelf till uh, James Gunn comes back. Yeah. And he's not a he's not a villain either. So. No, not at all. So it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> Maybe they bring the incursions back. Well, I actually watched an interesting video where um, they had talked about the future of the MCU and wh- what they believed the path that they were going on. They said there were two paths, 
and they called it the Bucky and the Rocket Path. And the more um, grounded path was the Bucky Path. Mm-hmm. And they felt like they kind of were trying to wrap that up with uh, Endgame. And then the more fantastical path, the out- outer-worldly path was um, the Rocket Path. And that that's where they were going to go in the next phase. But with everything that happened with James Gunn being fired but then rehired, Hmm. It pushed back Guardians, which then pushed back their plans for Phase 4. And then so, COVID. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, so so it's weird because we're getting Black Widow and the Bucky Falcon show um, first, which are kind of, again, still in that grounded Bucky pit. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how true any of that is, but it kind of makes sense. So Yeah, I don't, I'm interested. I'm interested. This is a, it's a big move. I want to see what they do. It is. Very much so is. Uh, speaking of, of COVID, John, thank you for the segue. Um, Wonder Woman is now pushed back to Christmas 2020. That sucks. That's one of the few movies I'm actually just, really looking forward to. Just put the damn thing on stream. But I think that's... I, I, I get it, but I honestly think they're looking at what these movies are making streaming-wise, and it's not... you know. And this is a tentpole movie after... Let's let's face it. Justice League was a flop. Oh yeah. Right? Um, what came after Justice League? Uh, uh, Aquaman. Okay. Oh, no. Aquaman. No, no. Aquaman. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman came after Justice League. Did Wonder Woman come after Justice League? Pretty sure. No, no, it didn't. It was before. It was before. I thought. Right. We had uh, we had the uh, we had um, the Harley Quinn movie, which was kind of like. Now I have to look it up. Okay. On you, John. So. uh... Yeah, um, you had Shazam in 2019. Shazam, okay. And Justice uh, came out in, in 17. So what came out in 18? I wish they had a list that was like in or freaking order. They don't even have. They don't even have mm, freaking order. What are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just Justice Justice League was 2017. Wonder Woman is 27. Wonder Woman is also 2017. Um, probably just a little bit earlier, and then. Uh, Suicide Squad was 2016. Aquaman was 2018. Then Shazam in 2019. Okay. So it was Aquaman. And Birds of Prey in 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think that's part of what Warner Brothers is looking at. Like they need a big win right now. They do need a win. That's true. So they they would rather have this come out in the theater than you know hope people rent it online. Yeah, but look at what Tenant is doing right now. Tenant made like seven million dollars at the box office. That's I. It, was that a good movie? I mean, I've heard. I've, it's a it's a Nolan movie, so regardless if it was good or not, it should open to big numbers. I, I've I've got I've heard mixed reviews about it though. I it's mean, got a much better it's got a much better score than New Mutants, that's for sure. Well, I mean it's, that's it's probably easy. That's the thing is no one's going to the theater right now. People, you know, justifiably so. Most people don't feel like sitting in a movie theater right now. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, how long are you gonna sit on these things? I, that's a good question. Um, yeah, you can't you can't do that because it, it's a conveyor belt, right? You have to get right. money from one from one uh, movie to start making the next one. Let's be and, real, superhero movies are widgets. You got to keep the widgets going. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. They're widgets. They are. <laughs> well, they build they build on episode, each other, right? Episode title. <laughs> so if you if you if you wait like three years between one and the next, you kind of lose momentum, right? I can. I mean, like again, everything's different because of the situation we're in. But I mean, I just, I don't know, man. I think that this, oh, well, we're going to do this when people can come back to things. It's like, dude, even the NBA is having virtual fans. Like, 
and the NFL's doing socially distanced games, and we don't know how that's going to go yet. It's just, I don't know. I think it's wishful thinking at the moment, mm. especially in Christmas time. Yeah. Although, yeah. Al- yeah, yeah. Although, like, the Wonder Woman, I, I think everybody wants this. I haven't heard anybody who says they don't want to see it or aren't looking forward to oh, it. Oh, it looks so, great. Absolutely. So even if it even if it comes out next well, year, and that's, and that's the whole thing too. It's like it's um, everyone liked Wonder Woman, so like this is a movie people are looking forward to. You know, there's no question of like, do I want to see it? It's when do I get to see it? Mm. Right. So well, this is kind of a win for HBO Max, and I don't think we really talked about uh, this on the show. Maybe we did, but uh, so HBO Max, of course, not DC Universe. Uh, has ordered season three of the Doom Patrol, so that show will continue on. Um, I haven't seen the second season yet, but I'll, I'll have to look it up. I was going to say, are either of you watching this? I haven't had time. No. And uh, is this enough to make you sign up for HBO Max? No. <laughs> oh gosh, every day I get a little bit closer because we got HBO Max right now for. Uh, remember, I had that free week trial. It turned into a. It turned into I paid for a full month accidentally. So, uh, I mean, HBO TV is really good. Like I yeah. said, I'm really enjoying Lovecraft Country right now. I just started. Watch, I want to start watching The Vow when it's finished, so I can, you know, just go through it. I don't know if I'll keep it, but I mean, HBO Max is something that if there's something good on, I I may pick it up. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're getting that and Titans and. Uh... I I will say this. I want to see. Uh, I I will watch the Snyder Cut. Oh, we're, we talked about it. We have to. I, I know. Uh, I, but that's that's when that comes out. It, as long as they don't milk it. If they're going to put like one hour out a month or something crazy like that. They're doing one a week. Like that seems that's become the new thing. Like even Amazon Prime with the boys, <sighs> they're they're putting a few out at a time. They don't want people binging shows anymore. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, they, and you know, somebody mentioned that on my Facebook feed, too. The, the big the, the problem is that, yeah, if they put it all at once, people will. That they'll get a bump in their in their subscribers for that month, and then it'll right. go back down. But if they start piecemealing it out, people sign up, they forget, they watch the last one, maybe they get right. interested in something else, and it keeps them rolling. But they have to do that now because it, it, there's like like we've talked about before, there's too many streaming services, and not everybody wants to pay 130 bucks a month for 18 different streaming services. Right. So it's they're the tricking, gym, you, tricking you into take into it's the gym membership model, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you sign up for the gym, and most people don't ever go to the gym, but they don't ever tell you, "Hey, by the way, you still have a gym membership." They hope you forget, yeah. so they get your ten to fifty bucks a month, whatever it costs for your gym. I, that's funny too, because like that's my main motivation is I'm paying for this, so I'm going to use this equipment. Yeah, but most people aren't like that. Yeah, like I had a, when I was doing judo, my my uh, master talked about how. Most JoJo's in the country operate is like, you know, you get people signed up to get parents want their kids doing stuff. Kids hate doing it. They stop hmm. going and they forget. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I'm curious, though, um, our fans, anyone listening, let us know, like, uh, do you have HBO Max or have you been on the fence uh, to get HBO Max? And now that all the DC shows, with the exception of Stargirl, are going over there, is that a deciding factor to make you, you know, get it now? Is Swamp Thing going there too, or is Swamp Thing going to CW? I forget. Swamp Thing is going to CW, I think. Oh, is it? Swamp. We talked about this in the show, but I can't remember. Can't remember I don't remember either. John, what's your magic fingers say? To CW. Oh. Interesting. Cancel the DC Universe. Coming to the CW. Cancel before it even started at the DC Universe. Yeah. That was a bad. That was a bad idea. I. 
what what was the bad idea? And and it was like the universe. that was a bad idea. Yeah. I, well, it, it it wasn't a bad idea. It was just horribly executed. If they had put all the content they could have out on there, it would there they have enough between that and the CW some of the CW stuff, um, some of the Warner Brothers stuff that they they you know they would have had enough content to keep people, but they didn't do that. And and then they pull shit like this where it's like what there's there's a new excuse for why they um, canceled Swamp Thing before they even showed the first episode. Every every week. Yeah. The, the, the thing, the latest excuse I keep hearing is that the the cost of the the uh, sets to the upkeep of the sets, because they they basically built an entire swamp <laughs> um, and the cost of the, the cost of that was was one of the reasons why they they didn't want to do it. So but, you know, then again, dude, you got a swamp, you could use it for other things that there's like <laughs> I hate to use a corporate term synergies. They could have, they could have used, uh, they could have used the, the sets for other things and <clears throat> gotten their money out of it. But no, yeah. they, they just completely flubbed it. And now it's going to CW. Well, they should resurrect it. Man. I mean, like I never watched, I honestly, we didn't have it long enough and I didn't watch it because, you know, it was canceled. So it felt like, I don't know. They don't believe in this. Why should I believe in this? Yeah, it did kind of take the, uh, like, I was really excited to see it. And then when you hear it's canceled, it's like, even watching the first episode, it's like, ah, I know, but this is gone. Why am I bothering? Right. Even even though it's really good. Oh, that happens really, to me all the time. It really was canceled. good. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the, the problem with it going to CW is they're not going to have, like, half the budget that uh, it was given for uh, for DC Universe. Not, so. only that, not only that, they can't really explore some of the adult themes. Oh, yeah. Or thing. some of the more horror themes. Like, yeah, it's it's going to be tricky to do teen angst in Swamp Thing. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is true. I'd like to say a teenagers are cannon fodder. In right. I'd like to say it's that you can't do a low-budget Swamp Thing TV show, but I literally have seen it. So it can be done. I don't know if it's going to be. You guys remember the Swamp Thing TV show in USA in the early 90s? Oh, God, yeah. Yes. That was not. Oh, no, no it, was not, it was not good at all. The only thing I liked about it, was that the same dude played Swamp Thing as from the original two movies? Mm. Which talk about shifts in tone. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, but they even have one like you're saying like they can't explore some of the adult themes. Well, like they they actually had a scene there which was right out of John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, you know, with with the the corpse coming alive. They're not going to be able to do that in the CW. No, no, probably not. Unless they do it, you know, they put it on at two in the morning. Yeah, put it on Adult Swim. There you go. Oh, there you go. They All right. They own it. This is true. All right. Swamp Thing for the Old Swim. What's our new <laughs> hashtag? All right. Well, Swamp, swamp Swim. Speaking swim. of things that, that yeah. won't die, um, I really wasn't going to bring this up this again this week, but I listened to another podcast where they hadn't been talking about this topic the whole time it's been going on. And then they started talking about it this week. And I'm like... And it was interesting to listen to someone else's perspective. But the Ray Fisher uh, war with Warner Brothers, um, I mean, you know, this guy's never going to work for them again, obviously. But uh, so apparently, again, they came out with a statement saying he wasn't cooperating uh, with their investigators. And he came out with this statement saying, to date, the independent firm by uh, Warner Brother Pictures has conveniently avoided contacting key witnesses who are damning, who gave damning statements to WBHR. They've also stated interviews, they've also started interviews with and have 
Since ghosted, witnesses that have implicated former and current top-level executives, others, including an implicated individual they called me to apologize, have already been interviewed. We will not let any investigator cherry-pick <sighs> interviewees and best suit Warner Brothers Pictures' false narrative and scapegoating efforts. All with stories will be heard. So, here's Basically, DC is going to destroy its um, destroy DC, you know, no matter what. That's Warner. That's nothing to do with DC. This so, is Warner. So here's the thing, though, like that that gets me, and it's and this is what they were talking about in the earlier podcast. Like he keeps making these statements and saying he's got this damning stuff. He has yet to say what happened. He can't. He can't say anything. It's not well, yeah. But but that's the whole thing. It's like, well, then why are you making such a big stink? Like you kind of stop caring after a while, and it's it, it feels like you know it feels like the guy who cried wolf. Because he keeps saying accountability over entertainment. Well, if accountability over entertainment, then you've got to spill the beans. Can't you can't do it if he's it's going to cost him a ton of money. Like people sign these NDAs and they're held super liable. Like it's you see it's the highest levels of government where people are forced to sign NDAs and can't talk about stuff that they probably should. Like we see this a lot in, in pro wrestling, which when the, when the speaking out movement came. We saw a lot of companies say hire their own investigators to do these investigations, yet nothing comes from them. Where it's the same deal, where you're not interviewing people that are making accusations. Like they're hiring these like private investigation firms to bury them. Like, and this is I, I, if if this is what's happening with the Warner investigation, I buy. Like I said, they're like Fisher is hamstrung by what he can say. Like the only way that he's going to get it out is if public but, pressure becomes and it, and it comes through like through somebody else knowing. Because he literally, he literally, he legally can't say anything. I think it's better if he just, if he was quietly working with people that were there to to put pressure on them. But this whole, like, going public and blah, blah. Because, my, my, again, my, my issue is saying the accountability of her entertainment. It's like, if you're that concerned about losing money, then you, you're not worried about them being cannibal. Oh, you can't. No, you can't. I mean, like, David, we're talking, it could cost him tens of millions of dollars and he can't he can't afford that well you so hmm. you can't that's what i'm saying though it's like you sign these ndas i don't you know legally can't you legally can't do anything that's why they have them signed yeah like i mean you're handing I mean, people say well you should just say something it's like yeah i mean that's but they're literally against the law to break an nda i don't know because i've heard i've heard other stories where it was kind of like and this is what they were this other show was talking about is kind of like um, it feels like what happened was Whedon came in, uh, minimized Cyborg's role in the story. Mm-hmm. And like apparently a big argument that they had on set was uh, he didn't want to say booyah. And Whedon's like, well, no, that's in the script. And that's what Cyborg says. Like, you know, um, and apparently that was like a big to do between the two of them. So it sounds like. You know, he came in saying, this is what I want the character to do. And Whedon's like, well, no, this is my movie. We're doing it this way. But the whole tone of it was so off. You truly, like, I mean, like that, I'm sorry. You truly believe that this whole thing is because Joss Whedon wanted him to say booyah. And he didn't want just to. booyah. I think Kevin was, Smith, Kevin Smith came out and said he heard from the crew of Justice League that kept that, that Whedon was treating them like shit. And that it was a terrible environment to work on. Okay, that's one thing, but again, mm. th- there's got to be specifics. But you can't, that's the whole thing. You can't get specifics when people sign non-disclosure agreements. There's, this is why they signed them. 
Like this is why, why like, the Harvey why the Weinstein thing was. This is why the Harvey Weinstein thing went along as long as it did until people didn't want to keep him quiet anymore, and they were, and because those were well, criminal investigations, was, that was different. This might not be a criminal investigation. And, so and that's this, what I'm, this is, but I mean, like, and I truly believe, I truly like, like, because this is this this podcast listen to wants to just spitball and pretend they know things. I could pretend like I know things too. Okay. I truly believe the only reason that this is as bad as it is is because something was said that should not have been said by people that look like Joss Whedon. And I can spitball that, too, and make things up, and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you never know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, rare, rare if ever. But, I mean, if we're just going to make stuff up because they think that, oh, he just didn't want this whole thing is because Ray Fisher didn't want to say booyah. Like, that's the that's irresponsible speculation and, quite frankly, stupid. And it, and it minimizes whatever his gripes are that he can't say anything but about. Here, right but now. here's the thing, too, and, and this, is, this is kind of what I'm getting at with the whole he keeps making a big stink – but yet he won't say what's going on, is like, okay, let's say it is the NDA. Let's say that's why he's not saying specifically. But any other movie company is looking at the way he's acting right now. Do you think anyone's going to jump on hiring him? Maybe, maybe not. We're living in a different world now with uh, in light of the Weinstein thing where the rules have changed. Like, at the same time, look what happened with people who – who uh, did let's take the whole Weinstein thing? Look at it through that prism. Mm-hmm. People that didn't play ball with Harvey Weinstein didn't work again. And now we've learned how much of a shitty thing. Like someone like um, Mira Servino, who was an Oscar winner, her career was big time stalled because of that. So I mean, like, yes, there's legitimate concern from these studios, but at the same time, I don't think they're going to play this game like they won in the 1990s. Like no one's hiring anybody for anything at the moment. Like everything in the, right. in the business is at a virtual standstill. So whatever happened was big enough that he's willing to not get hired in the future. And John Boyega also came out and said and is like fully supporting him 100 percent. Well, yeah, I mean, I. So what I mean, that goes again. Hmm, Interesting. Who comes out and, and supports him right away? Like, what's going on here, man? I don't know. That's the question. We won't and we won't know until we won't ever know, to be honest with you, because Warner's investigation isn't going to turn up anything. So. I don't know. I think the Ray Fisher story will be told eventually on HBO Max. All right. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, uh, let's move into our topic discussion of the week. Uh, we are, are reviewing another of the epic comic stories that we talked about not long ago. Um, review, whatever, discussion, whatever you want to call it. And, of course, this is 1996 Kingdom Come. Uh, written by Mark Wade and beautifully illustrated by uh, Alex Ross. So, um, I mean, I guess like a the quick synopsis of the story for those who've never read it. Um, sprinkle in, it's the future, um, which kind of feels like it's supposed to be present time now. <laughs> from yeah. 1996. Um, sprinkle in a little bit of uh, heroes fighting each other. Um, uh, the, the, the concept of good versus evil, um, and even when good is being good, sometimes what they're doing isn't right, uh, all wrapped around the Book of Revelations. Yeah. For the theme. Um, alright, so, I know that I read this initially in two, like, I wanna say 2000, 2001 is when I first read the book. Um, uh, John just recently read it, which, Shocked us all because he's the DC guy. Hey, you can't get them all, you know. So and JD, you of course uh, uh, 
read it a, a long time ago as well. Um, 2004, I want to say, the first yeah. time I read it. So, so like, what was your what was your initial thoughts when you first read this book? Me or John? You. Oh, when I first <laughs> read this book, um, this is the book that really got me to love comics again. And it was, um, like I said, I, I discovered it probably about nine years after it came out, just from tooling around on the internet and uh, just seeing the pictures and the art from Alex Ross made me really want to pick this up. And when I when I read it, it really made me love comics again and love the characters. Like for me, this book is when people ask like, what, like what, give me certain comics. What should I read? I always recommend kingdom come because it's digestible. You know, you don't need a, you don't need a ton of continuity or expertise to know what to figure out what's going on. Yeah, it is. It is really self-contained. Um, and like all of his depictions of the, uh, the heroes and the, the villains are just, they're, they're, yeah, they, I mean, you can get you can get the gist of everybody where what they're doing and and what they're all about in in just this book. You don't need to know anything prior, um, except for maybe you know that Superman's a thing and that sort of thing and Lex Luthor. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, let's just say if you're not familiar with the DC universe, you probably will be lost on some of this. Y- yeah, I don't know. Um, about, I mean, like they, I think they explain like who everybody is like enough for you can enough so you can follow the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it just it just helps to know who the general players are because they they, they pull out a lot of of really obscure ones. And there are a lot of there are a lot uh, of versions of heroes and stuff in here that just exist in this book. And that's it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, beautifully illustrated is is woefully inadequate, inadequate <laughs> to describe the, uh, you know, how, how how this came out. I mean, it's. It's quite amazing, and um, you know some of it's some of it like looks like rotoscoped photo um, photos, and uh, they uh, I don't know the the storyline itself. Yeah, I'm I'm not a religious guy, so you know, but I found it interesting. I didn't I didn't I didn't take offense to it or anything. It 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 fit in with it fit in with the storyline so well, and the reasoning for how how it was going about between the specter and the pastor. Or, um, that, uh, you know, it, I, I never thought it could be worked into a story like that before. So, um, and, and to, to ground it with the story, with the, ground the story with the, the specter and what's his name, the, the, um, the pastor, uh, be flipping through time. McCoy. Yeah. As they flip through time, um, forward to the point where everything's about to go to shit. Um, and, and the, the decisions that everybody has to make and the reason why they have to make them and the reason why everybody got to that point, uh, it, it's really, it, it was really well planned out. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, it's funny cause, uh, I had always been an Alec Ross fan since 94, 95 when Marvels came out. Um, and I have, uh, I know I've got three of them. I'm not sure if I have all four books. <laughs> Um, for those who have never, um, read Marvel's, uh, shame on you. Uh, is that, do you know, JD, is that Alex Ross's first yes. published comic book work? Okay. I believe, I don't know about first, but it was his, it was his big break. I think it was his first book doing his style. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. Um, so like I was just, I, I was, uh, looking for something to read and, and, Someone said, Oh, you like Alex Ross? You should read Kingdom Come. So I was like, Oh, okay. I'll go out and get it. And, um, yeah, I mean, and, and 
John, the uh, the opposite of you being raised a Catholic boy. Um, I, I was, yeah, I was raised uh, Irish Catholic, so. Um, and, and still being somewhat religious, it was like, oh wow, this is this is fascinating. Like, and it works. It it it, it strangely works. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they're only taking a small passage from the Book of Revelations and, and working the whole story around it, but it still works and there's a whole theme about making decisions and free will and and all that stuff within this book that's kind of like oh i see what you're doing there um yeah i mean i i can't no i i i do have one or two little gripes with the book but nothing major um uh i i will say this we had talked about um new frontier not too long ago and i had gripes with uh, what I felt, Wonder Woman felt uneven to me, and I didn't quite get her motivation in it. It's very clear in this story, like, what her motivation is and why she gets to the point she does by the climax of the book. Like, it mm-hmm. makes so much sense. It works perfectly, you know? Um, so, so since, since I, I already said I have, I have one or two little grapes, um, we'll start with John. Is there anything about the book that you didn't like? Or that you maybe, was like, eh, they could have done this differently or whatever. I don't like to second guess um, something something that's done so well. And, you know, it, it, especially since, like, um, the way that the way this was written, um, I mean, it's not the way I would write it, but it's it's done so well in a way that I that I enjoy it that, you know, why why would I try to pick it apart really? Um, that, yeah, it's not as easy as Civil War to pick apart, so, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would change anything. I mean, they could have made it a little bit longer, actually, and, and, and gone into more of the reasoning, uh, with, with Diana, why, why she became, you know, what happened to her, maybe a little bit backstory on that, seeing as how it, it, uh, was, a very large part of why things got to the point where, you know, uh, towards the ending where everything was going to hell. But other than that, uh, no, I, there's, there's nothing that I would change at all. Um, you know, and this is, I guess, yeah, it, it, I'll tell you one thing. It, this was written way before. Well, actually, I don't know if this was, was this written before, um, the boy. This was written written before the boys. I'm sure. I guess. Much. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this this feels like the halfway point between the DC universe and the boys, right? Because all of the current heroes in it, a- after the the main heroes leave, the current heroes are sort of trending towards that. You know, what, like what it is is it's is a reaction to the Lifeldian superheroes of the mid '90s. Yeah. 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 Where, where they, you know, they're, they're more, they're more driven by realistic it, goals and dreams and, 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 and realistic scenarios. Whereas like the, the old style heroes are like, yes, no matter what it is, we will find a way to have nobody die and we'll put the, the villain in jail where he will escape next Tuesday. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's asking the question, what happens when the superheroes realize like, I have this power, so why do I really have to listen to these humans? Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the whole theme of the book, really. Right. And, you know, the, the, it points out towards the end exactly why that's a bad idea. Yes. Um, it's actually this, the same idea that most urban fantasy writers use, 
which is basically, yeah, um, all these elves and, and werewolves and everything they may have, and, and sparkly vampires may have all this power, but there are seven billion human beings and they breed like rabbits and they have nuclear weapons. So don't piss them off. <laughs> so yeah, that, that is, that is like a real common theme in, in current urban fantasy. Um, uh, yeah, it's a reason why it's, it's, it's used as a common, it's a common trope now as to why, uh, the, um, magical community stays hidden from humans is because they don't want the humans to go on crusades anymore because they were, they, you know, no matter how much power the other side has, the humans, there's just too many of them and they have too many weapons and they're too inventive. So this, the same goes for this, right? Right. So like, you know, and then of course, you know, there's, there's the bad guys that are always going, you know, I, a, yeah, the, the only, I guess the only other thing that do, it doesn't bother me so much as, um, it, it, it's just a point that I'd make that, uh, Luther is supposed to be in, you know, a, as much of a genius, say, as, as, uh, Bruce Wayne. And yet he didn't see that his end game for what he was trying to accomplish would have ended about as bad as anybody would actually expect if you took it to its logical conclusion. I'm back. My computer got unplugged. I just caught ah. the very end of what you said, but that is Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor's arrogance derails him every time. Yes. True. Luthor, Luthor believes that his plans ah. are the best, and to question his plans is, is you know, inconceivable. I, so I guess. His, I guess. His I, I, yeah. I guess. I guess you're right. It's like it's. It's always. He comes up with a brilliant plan, puts all the pieces on the board, you know, gets the king in check, and then, like, gets, yeah, and then he, he just blows it. <laughs> yeah, that's his, and it's his, but it's usually his own arrogance that stops him short. And mm. thank God, if not for his arrogance, he'd rule the world. Like, like I said, I lost, I lost you guys before, but I, I always look at this as like, this is like, this is a reaction to people wanting grimmer, more violent superheroes. And then it's the idea of, okay, we're back. Now we're going to do what you guys think we should. Yes, right. <laughs> this is what so, you want. This is the world we'll create then. And it's yeah. like, then it's dealing with the, with the, the normal hero with the, like the Batman's world going, okay, too far. So, so now that you're, you're, you're back. I am back. And this is your favorite comic, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything in this comic that's ever bothered you or anything you would change? Anything ah. you didn't like? Um, I really like this book a lot. Um, if I were to change something, no, no, okay, no, I really, I really, um, I guess for me, it's like being, being a writer. I never think like I would do this differently. You know, I just, I just don't think like that. Like I like to read what the writer did. You know, that's always more important to me than thinking about what I would do differently. Cause I don't think I could undermine Mark Wade at all. So in my mind, this is, this is what Mark Wade and, and Alex Ross wanted. This is their expression of the characters, not mine. So for me, this is, this is their work and I'm okay with it. I just, I just want to read a quote from Alex Ross about uh, the character Magog. He says, as I remember, Mark originally told me, make him look like everything we hate in modern superhero design. <laughs> cable. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Out of, out of cable and, yeah, and cable. like Shatterstar and, and a few others apparently. So <laughs> it's interesting. Okay. So, <laughs> I was going to say, like, that's one of the things, and it's funny, I don't, like, one of the little things that kind of bugs me about this book is we don't spend any real time with the new heroes in the book. Because they aren't really, they're not really and, and I get it, I get it, because this is really, like, at its core, 
this is a Superman story. Absolutely. Right? It, it's like when Superman, reti- something drives him to retire, um, which is the death of Lois Lane and what happens to the world when Superman leaves, you know, and then he has to come back and fix it. And, and, and not, not just that, he has to learn to take on the new mantle of a leader, right? Right. Not just, not just a leader no. of like the Justice League, but a, an actual world it's, leader. Yeah. It, mm. It's, it, it, it's, I, I kind of feel like they're dealing with, mm. um, and it's funny because we talked about Superman last week a little bit and how like I kind of felt the Donner movies touched on the duality between Clark and Superman, but also kind of touched on Cal L kind of being a third character in that as well. And um, this book kind of touches on it, too. Right. When Lois died, Clark died. Yeah, 100 percent. Right. There yeah. is no more human part to him. And he wants people to call him Cal L now, not Clark or Superman, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so, so I like, like, again, that's all really well done. But in the whole beginning half of the book, uh, cause you mentioned Magog, there's kind of feel like they're building something to him. And I was kind of hoping there would be a duality between the two characters in the book and showing why the modern heroes are the way they are through him and why Superman and the Justice League are trying, you know, have their point of view and why they're trying to stop them. But it's like when he finally confronts them, you know, he's upset for having killed a million people, basically, and gives up, you know. I think that's done on purpose. I think that what, what Ross and, and Wade are trying to say is that these modern heroes have no substance, that they are all style and, fla- and flash. <laughs> and when you want some character out of them, it's just not there. I guess that's what bothers me about it. You know, like, like has- and that's that's a common. I mean, it's a commentary thing of it. Like, what I like about it is because it's a self-contained four-issue story. If this was done today from either company, every single one of those characters would have their own spin-off <laughs> yeah. series. You'd get yeah. the Magog series where you get him. You'd get like the Jester. Well, and you'd get you story. would get some. Um, yeah, you would have if in today's world you would have got the fight between Superman and Magog. Yeah, and what I like about it is it's not that story. This story is a complete rejection to. Uh, comics marketing that can which only is, have been done in DC's prestige format of Elseworlds. And that's what which, I think is great about it. Which is good because we need stories like this. Like it's it's you're you're right. Like they try to sensationalize every one of these like new character these new comic book characters and all these storylines and oh yeah you know we're like you said we're, we're giving spinoffs. Um, this one will appear in like one issue of of these 18 different you know comics and all that it's like but it's like we're missing good storytelling you know and 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 this this is definitely good storytelling it's just it's 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 just weird to me like that it felt like there was such build-up to this character and then it was just like blah and then you don't and then you don't even see him again at all in the story that's it because he's like, insignificant, like he's image, like he's literally the representation of image comics. There is uh-huh. all this buildup of what image was in 1995, I should say. There is all this buildup. There is all this stuff. And when it comes down to it, it's nothing. Right. But and 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 also the fact that Magog was a catalyst. Right. Yeah. And, and, and in the end, he was still human and he realized what he'd done. And at that point, you're not going to fight Superman, right? It, they, like, that, what you were saying before, um, this is a rejection of the, all the 
superhero tropes of the time. And you, you know, there was none, none of this. Oh, I'm going to take on Superman because I'm angry. And even though I just murdered all these people, it's like, no, a real person wouldn't do that. Right. So, so, you know, we're not going to force two people to fight just, just for the plot, right? He, these, these guys, Alex and, and Mark were going by human emotions. And they, and, and it's then, easier to follow because of ex, ex post facto, there has been attempts to dig into Magog and the character of Gog that influenced him. And it's just, it never, nothing great ever really comes out of it. You know, they revisited again in, in Thy Kingdom Come and just in JSA. They did it a little bit in the Kingdom, which did, which was exactly the exact opposite of what, um, this story was supposed to be. And it's just, there isn't much to him because quite frankly, there's not much to Cable. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. How dare you? There isn't. X-Man's well, interesting. Right. The, the only way you get a good Cable is you put him next to Deadpool. That's true. You need a, he needs a foil. He's a straight man. That's, that's all he is. And straight men, do nothing unless they're next to somebody that gets a rise out of them. Yep. Cable's just there to look cool. Like I said, it's a perfect, it's a perfect, uh, commentary on, on what those guys are doing. What I like too, that, that we talked about is how Superman drifts, how the Cal care or the Cal character takes over and Clark dies at the time. We were still with the burned Superman origin uh-huh. where Krypton is this sterile place where, um, Jor-El and Lara didn't fall in love and have a baby. They just had their essences merged together to create Kal-El, who isn't even born on Krypton, right? That Krypton is very cold, is very sterile. And this Superman, when his human side literally dies, starts drifting to becoming that part of Krypton, like that version of what Krypton was. And he does start disassociating himself with his humanity a little bit. And it isn't until he sees Norman McKay that he, that the Clark part of him does come back. And I like that 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 thing gets ignored a little bit sometimes when people talk about that because that the burn Superman stuff is large, especially the burn Krypton stuff is largely forgotten. But this version of Kal-El definitely starts to drift back to what that was. Right. All right. So, given that, what's your favorite moment in the book, JD? Oh gosh, my favorite moment in the book, the the, the Shazam part where he keeps whispering and blasting with the lightning. Yeah. I love that scene. Like, it's a great use of Shazam. It's a great use of Mr. Mind. It's a great, it's a great little, cause again, this, this story is all about, you know, parables and this, this story is all about commentaries on, on the comic book industry. So what you have right here is the great, the great lawsuit of 19, I believe it was 1954 come into uh, a comic better illustrated than ever before. Cause Alex Ross's Shazam looks like the original Shazam. Yeah. You know? Like he looks like that that jacked up Fred McMurray, and you know his Superman is just my Superman when I think of it, and it's just, you get that you get that battle between those two that we never really had, and it's uh it's really good, and the way that that Superman beats him, it's just it's great. I love I love the use of Shazam in this story, a character that gets that gets under that gets underutilized and incorrectly utilized more often than not, but for this book, it, I think it works really well. Well, John. Well, one of the things I liked is when I turned the page um, uh, to page, I guess, 115, and they showed you a picture of the gulag, and it, it was – it's the dome the from – Hall from of the, Doom. Yeah, yep. the hall of, it's the Hall of Doom. And uh, that was – like there's so many little things like that strewn throughout here that it's just like every once in a while you'll catch something. It's like, wait, this is from – this is from like the old – 
TV series or this is a callback to that. Or, you know, you've got the picture of, uh, what is it? You've the wizard, the wizard Shazam Ganthet from the, yep. uh, right. And then, um, High Father and I can't tell the other two. I forget what the other two are. Uh, but it's just, it's really, yeah, there's so much. And then Dead Man coming in every once in a while. Um, but, uh, I think, I don't know what my favorite, I, I don't know, the Hall of Doom was, was a real good callback. Uh, I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess my favorite part is actually when, when Superman grabbed Billy Shazam yeah. and begged him to just do one last, like just, he begged him for help. He, 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 Superman had no idea what to do. Do I save the heroes? Do I, do I let them die? What, you know, who do I save and what happens after that? And he just, he just couldn't figure it out. And he, and of course, you know, one of Shazam's powers is the wisdom of Solomon. So he, he asks Shazam what to do. And of course, Shazam's all messed up. And, uh, and then, you know, he, he does the right thing. He, he shows Superman what he was missing because of his loss of his human side. The, you know, the one thing that he had forgotten at, about being a hero. Uh, the so that stranger, that's the other guy you didn't identify. Ah, the phantom stranger, right? There was, there was two others. I, I just can't remember. But, um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, that, that, that moment, that one, that moment of decision and, and how it was handled, that was, that was actually kind of nice. Ah, so you both are, are you both basically picked the climax of the story. Well, yeah, but different, well different points. Be. Yeah, different points. It, but that gets, that's a huge moment in the story. Yeah, there, there's, there's a couple of, during the, during the quote unquote climax, there's a couple of points, like, you could also pick the the time where the the um uh what's his name the pastor I keep forgetting his name Norman McKay yeah Norman McKay when Norman McKay finally oh, McKay. you know be- yeah. becomes becomes um uh, visible to Superman again as Superman's about to tear the UN down like that that moment where he pleads with him to remember what he's he's supposed to be and you know what could happen if he does what he's about to do. Where Superman's about to take a life on purpose. That's another point that you could, you know, I just, I just happen to like the give and take and the, and the, the, I don't know, the elegance of asking Shazam, um, one last time, you know, for, you know, for that, that wisdom that only he would have at that moment. Yeah. I think, um, my, uh, my favorite moment, and cause I, it, it, I flashed back to when I originally read the book is, when Bruce or Batman reveals that he's been playing Luther the whole time, which is a total Batman moment. Exactly. Right. It's, it, it is a quintessential Batman moment of the book. And it's just like, because up until that point, I was pissed. Like, how could he work with Luther? Like I get, they're trying to make a point about human beings and blah, blah, but it's like, come on. Like, how could he ever work with Luther with everything Luther's done in the comics and whatnot? And it's like, Oh, he was playing him the whole time. So, well, that's Batman. Yep. Yeah, and and that goes back to Luther being so ego egotistical that he wouldn't have thought of that. Right. You know, because yeah. I mean, how could you not know that Batman's not playing you when you've been at odds with him for your entire life? Come on. Because it's Luthor, man. 
Exactly. You come to Luthor, you're like, I, I need your help. Luthor goes, you're damn right you do. I'm Lex Luthor. I'm that smart. <laughs> that's right, exactly. Kiss the ice, dog. <laughs> right. I mean, that's if you if you appeal to Luthor's ego, you can you can manipulate him. Superman's done it a million times. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Great scene. Yes. Yeah. You know what I like too? Do you know who this green John? Do you know who this Green Lantern is in this book? Do you know uh, who the Green Lantern Alan is? Scott. Yeah, it's Alan. It's Alan Scott. You can yeah. tell because he, he hangs out with Jade, and there's also a nice little during him yeah. and Ollie's fight. There's arrows sticking in him. The Alan yeah. Scott Green Lantern had a, a um, thing against wood. Right, right. And Alan Scott was well, yeah. Even though this one was a living power battery, mm-hmm. and uh, I think his daughter his daughter was in here Jade. too. Yeah, Jade. Yeah. It's it, yeah. No, it's interesting that. Um, some of the version, some of the characters that they picked. I mean, obviously, it's also um, the Flash. Is uh, who's the original Flash? Uh, Jay Garrick. It is no, Jay Garrick. That's Wally, but he's wearing Jay's helmet. Are yeah. you sure? That's yeah, it's Wade. That's what Wade says. DC Cotton. DC said it had to be Wally, but they kind of looked at it as like it's this Flash is the amalgamation of the Speed Force. Okay. But officially, it's officially it's Wally. Oh, that's especially yeah, Wally. They're... Well, it was Wally. Wally was the Flash. At that point, yes, yes. But this is a Elseworlds. It's not an incontinuity story. It is, but Superman also has long hair when Lois dies. I know. Which he had in 1995. Yes, I know. I know. And it's so stupid. Oh, it was stupid then. It's stupid now. But yeah, those are the little, little, you know, tip of the cap. And it's like, okay, fine. He had long hair when, when Lois died, but he could have cut his hair 20 years into the future. Correct. That's a that was Mike Martz come down and said present day Superman has to have long hair. And they had Flash Four too. Whatever that like the um young girl in the Kid Flash derived outfit is the daughter of the adult Kid Flash Wally West. So um so yeah, like it, it, so Aquaman two Donna Troy Red Arrow Red Robin. It's oh a, yeah, in the in the Flash here it is. Like one of the things you you pointed at John was the. The little touches that Alex Ross puts through in this, which is what makes him such a great comic book artist, because he loves all of this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and he puts all these little things in. Um, what I find fascinating is we talked about how this is an Elseworlds, an out of continuity story. Um, yes, there are some obviously publisher dictates in this book, um, but how like there are things that have come out of this book that became continuity. Oh, tons. Like Red Robin, I think is mm-hmm. one of the, the the best examples. Yeah, um, Red Arrow too. Uh, Speedy becomes Red Arrow for for quite a bit at the uh, toward the end of the the pre New Fifty Two universe. Right. I mean, it's interesting because there's I mean, there's quite a few uh, DC books that have done that, where that are the Prestige or the Out of Continuity, whatever you want to call them, stories, but they're so good that they're pieces that they end up incorporating eventually into mm-hmm. the main continuity. Um, is this the first book to do? No, I guess uh, Dark Knight and Killing Joke would be the first two that did that. Yeah, the start of that thing. Yeah, but this one, this one's a little different because like it, it, it's it's always been looked at as an alt, a possible alternate future, and like they'll do that once in a while. They'll throw in, oh yeah, remember this? Remember yeah. this? From yeah. I mean, it, it, it's so funny too because I've seen people sit there and go, well, when are we eventually going to get to that Kingdom Come storyline? And it's just like, really? Never. That's the answer to that question. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we do, we we what? If we do reach it, we screwed up. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the whole idea. Right, and it's just funny because like when they introduced Red Robin into the books, it was just like, oh, we're getting one step closer. That's just they forgot they didn't know what to do with Tim for a while, so they put him in the Red Robin outfit. Exactly. 
which thank God we moved away from. You don't like that uh, that hood? Uh, it's okay, but I mean, like, it's so associated with Kingdom Come. It's like the same reason I don't want to see that Superman S ever used. You know, it's cool looking, but it's Kingdom Come. Right. Yeah. It was. Which was neat to see it in the CW crossover. Yeah, that was fine. In, in that environment, it's fine. Yeah. I just think like, if you bring Superman out, like again, Thy Kingdom Come did it too. They brought the the Kingdom Come Superman into continuity for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's it. I don't like people pointing at like saying this is the future of the DC universe. It's like it's one of a thousand possible futures, you know. And it's right. not supposed to be the future. You know, it's just a story. This is true. It is just a story. Um, it's a justice story. Ah. ah. <laughs> Was I reaching? You know, John, you can, uh, I can see you because you have a camera on and you can actually stop reading and participate in the conversation. I'm just, I'm just going through all of the, I, I'm just going through all of the, it's, it's just amazing. This, this book has all of the, uh, the characters in it. So, you know, like you said, like the Ray 2, yeah. um, Tornado, Midnight, Starman 8, Hour Man 3, um, you know, just some of the callbacks are just Adam Smasher, The Wiz. <laughs> It's, you know, the whole Marvel family. There's a whole bunch of... I love that... Uh, off books Marvel family. It's the It is the Adam Smasher in the bar, right? That punches the one guy? Yep. Tells yeah. him shut up and punches him. Like, I love that. That 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 is a good scene. And it is Adam Smasher from... That would eventually be used in JSA. Like, it's that Adam Smasher. Right. Right. You know, it's that Roy Thomas created one. You know, that was Nucleon. Like, it's such a good use of these characters. Yeah, they even had... Uh, a uh, uh, form of guardian, like Golden Guardian Three, yeah. which was in some of the some of the pages. Um, yeah, it's just you know best best use of the specter. Yes, comic. yeah, and and I like that I like that one end panel where the the three are the the big three are walking out of that uh, restaurant and they look over and there's uh, oh god the pastor. <laughs> Norman McKay and Jim Corrigan. McKay, yeah, and 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 the Spectre sitting there going, "Oh, is this what <laughs> this what this food is?" It's like trying to teach him to be human again, I guess. See, it's weird. The Spectre character it sounds so cool on paper, but when you try to execute it, it's very difficult. Because like you're supposed like the human out the the Jim uh, yeah the Jim Corrigan character is supposed to also be in control, and he's supposed to be the human um the human implementation of God's vengeance. Right. And his stories wind up being just, you know, cruelly. It's almost like an EC comic from the 50s. It's just how can we cruelly punish these criminals? Right. And so, like, there's only so much you can do with it. So they bust him out to be like this grand force of the DC universe from time to time. And this is this is probably the best use of it. Although the Hal Jordan Spectre stuff is kind of cool, too. He's like so, the living tribunal of the Marvel. Universe. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, speaking of things that are birthed out of this story, um One's an interesting one because we'll eventually get to see it at Christmas live action for the first time, and that's of course the Golden Armor, Wonder Woman's Golden Armor. Yes. Um, which was has has been used in the comics a few times since this book, but that is when it was first introduced. Um, the other thing is at the end of the book when they're in the cafe and they tried to make this happen in the New Fifty Two, and I think enough people were oh, not yeah, happy yeah. with it. It went away is the whole Wonder Woman Superman romance. Oh god, that was an abortion. That, now, that was just that was just now, the now the thing is like it works in the story because Lois is dead and it's the yeah. future. And yes. these are two immortal beings. But to like make it 
a regular in continuity, it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, no. Well, also because the new Fifty Two regressed Diana down to this this warrior chick instead of her original. You know, like well, she was a statesman, she was an ambassador, she was well read, she wasn't just a warrior. And yeah, they really you know? took like the new 50, the, the biggest victims of New Fifty Two continuity were definitely Wonder Woman and Superman. Like they both lost so much in yeah. that reboot. Whereas Batman remains largely unchanged. Yeah, well, that's that's um because uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the Flash. No, the writer. Oh. Oh, Scott Snyder. Started, Scott Snyder. Yeah. He was Sorry. like, yeah, he 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 was given the story to write, and like he had no idea it was going to be the launch of New Fifty Two. He was just like, I just wrote a Batman story. That's because the New Fifty Two was not well planned. No. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of stories at the time of how the new 52 was people were getting asked to pitch stuff literally at the last minute. The Dan DiDio era of DC Comics is very slapdash. Like, there's not a lot of like widespread planning because remember the whole two years leading up to the new 52, you had Jeff Johns' magnum opus with like bright, blackest night into brightest day, and then like you have to flush all that away immediately. Yep. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask we're gonna go around the room. Uh, any final thoughts and. Yes or no, do you recommend this book uh, for people who haven't read it? And we'll start with you, John, since you just read it. Oh, wholeheartedly, I'd say read this book. This should be one of one of the top things that you've got on your coffee table to read. Um, yeah, and leave it there for uh, to, to show it off to other people to pass it on, you know, get the, get it into their consciousness. Because it's, it's one of the best comic stories I've ever read. Um, I can't believe, like, it took me until now to read it. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I'll, I'll give this, uh, I'll give this a 10, you know? Okay. I didn't ask you to rate it, but okay. I'm rating it. Sorry. I'm giving it, I'm giving it 10. JD? 10. Um, <laughs> no, sorry. I was just taking, I was picking up on John's mistake. Uh, I absolutely, I said before, this is, um, when people ask about reading comics, this is always the first thing I recommend. One, the story is adjustable. Two, the art is really, because it's photorealistic, it's very easy for a, uh, a civilian, we'll call them, to hmm. digest. Because they, because it looks very real. So some people have a hard time looking at, like, quote unquote, cartoony art. Um, Alex Ross's art kind of transcends that. Like, some people think it's a little stiff. I don't. But um, this is like I think this is a very easy story for someone to read in an evening. And if you have a vaguely of, you know, a familiar passing knowledge of, of, you know, DC Comics in general, like all you got to know is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. The rest, I think, can, can be filled on its own. So, yeah, this is this is always what I what I recommend. Also, first appearance of Damien in continuity. Damien Wayne. Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. Right. I didn't even think of that. Yes. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'll. I definitely recommend it. Um. It's. It is one of my top ten uh, comics of all time. Definitely. Uh. Yeah. Alex Ross. You can't beat his art. Mark Wade is an amazing writer. He took. He took. You know, the Book of Revelations and made it an interesting comic book story. What, what more can you say? I mean, come on now. Like that's. Um. Yeah. If you like the themes of free will, uh, choices, and and all of that stuff, like yeah. This is a, a surefire, and if you want to, I think a really again, it's a, at its core, it's a Superman story, and if you oh, want a really absolutely. good Superman story, this is definitely up there. Might be the best. Hmm. I don't know I don't I, think I, about that. I've all. Eh, I don't know. Mike, it's kind of an all, it's kind of a tie between All Star Superman and this. I would agree. <laughs> it's, it's these are definitely those are my 
those are two of my top five Superman stories. Hmm. Cool. All right. Well, I think on that we can wrap it up. Maybe get some recommendations for our audience. Um, John, do you have any recommendations? I just got this. Uh, it's, well, the, the, the people can't see. We don't have yes, a video podcast. See, do you sir. see this? Do you see it? Yeah. Uh, no, I just got the, the Superman Man of Tomorrow Blu-ray. Um, lately it's been, it, it's, there have been a few misses. Uh, I've, Ever since like Bruce Timm's era kind of petered out, uh, this is not one of those. This this was awesome. Uh, it was really well done. It's kind of like Superman Year One, um, or well, like uh, Month One, and uh, it was it it was well done. Martian Manhunter is in it, so was Lobo and uh, and Parasite, and uh, it you should see it. It's the 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 animation is awesome. The storyline is uh, is very good, and uh, it uh, it was really en- entertaining. Cool. All right. JD. Still reading The Institute by Stephen King. Okay. Um, I'm enjoying it. Uh, watching Love. The only show I'm watching actively now is Lovecraft County. However, I did get sucked into a wormhole that I, I usually avoid, like YouTube shows. But my kid is is going through a little bit of a Transformers kick. Uh-huh. Like, um, so uh, while looking at Transformer stuff on YouTube, I want to get the guy's name right. I found a guy who's got a Transformer series where he just breaks down everything. Chris McFeely is the guy's name. And he's got a show called Transformers The Basics. Hmm. And he regurgitates all this knowledge on the various characters and continuities. You talk, we as, as, you know, comics fans are used to some tricky continuity. I'm a DC fan. It gets really tricky. There ain't nothing like Transformers continuity, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. When you yeah. When you, get, when you get towards Beast Wars, pff, everything goes out the window. No, dude, it gets worse when they start rebooting stuff in the in the 20th and 21st century. Like, yeah. It is it is hard to follow. But this guy in his just melodic Scottish brogue, you know, I watched like 20 of them this weekend between like writing stuff and I'm, I couldn't look away from it. Like, they were so good. So, I mean, if you're in the mood to learn about the Transformers, let me recommend Chris McFeely's YouTube page. And you can learn way more than you ever thought was necessary. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right. Um, as always, I'm going to recommend that you go to SuperheroSpeaks.com, where you can find the podcast every week and, of course, comic book reviews by our good friend D-Square. There's a new one up that John needs to read. It's uh, Transformers My Little Pony. Friendship in Disguise, number one, uh, and number two, and, and issue number two review will be up shortly as well. Yeah. Um, I just found it. They're on IDW. I'm going to get like two copies a piece. Three <laughs> issues, three and four aren't available yet. So <laughs> that's why we only have review for one and two at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm going to recommend if you are listening to this podcast on Wednesday or Thursday, make sure you go to Kickstarter and throw a few shekels at our good friend JD for his Harvest Moon book and you too can be murdered by him five five books are available in this kickstarter campaign not just one but five (laughs) nice (laughs) and i'm also going to recommend that you check out the fans on patrol podcast this week it should be coming out on wednesday you want did you guest because I'm a guest, ah. and we are talking about Superman the movie, and it was Ooh. a very fun conversation with Montego and Tiffobot over there, and uh, 
And yeah, I mean, it was, it, you know what? It was fun because like, um, Tiff is younger than us and she would say stuff like, well, I don't understand why people didn't just all fly off of Krypton. So then I had to explain the history of Superman's powers and how they changed over the years. Yeah. Yellow and, sun. What? Yellow sun. Yellow sun. Yes. Red sun versus yellow sun. Mm. Like, I, well, uh, there, there's also the, the, problem with you know if krypton was so advanced they should have all had spaceships why didn't they you know but that was also explained sort of post yeah so well, yeah. we we'll get into all we didn't get into all the details but it's, it was just fun to actually impart comic knowledge mm. on a conversation about the superhero movie that not a lot of people talk about anymore but it's probably one of the most important superhero movies of all time so. definitely the most important superhero movie of all time some would say the best still I don't know where I fall on, on what I think of it as far as the ranking goes, but it's definitely an important film and one that I love a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and again, I mean, that, my whole gist is, like, without Superman, we don't get to Endgame. It's, we don't get to anything, yeah. It's yeah. done. So, all right. Hey, so we should steal you... that show and do that one next week on our show, because we do it better. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll think about it. I don't know. Montego might get mad at us. All right. On that note, boys and girls, as always, thanks for listening, and don't let your cape get caught in the door. Have a good week.